Hello, I'm Ian Morrison. Welcome to the first episode in our CEO podcast series. We're exploring how CEOs see the future and how they're driving transformation to achieve that vision. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Manfred Rudhart, the CEO of Arriva. Welcome, Manfred, and thank you for joining us. Thanks very much, Ian, for having me. I believe very firmly that public transportation can help us solve some of the very urgent and, and burning society problems that we have in terms of congestion and air pollution and helping people get to work and where they need to be. So really happy to be here and talk about that. Thank you very much. What do you think the transport industry is going to look like in 10 years' time? It may sound a bit less scientific than you would expect it to be, but it has really a lot to do with providing basic services seamless services. My vision in the first place is that we provide so good services that people are making the conscious decision to move away from their car, drop their car, maybe even sell it, uh, and simply day in, day out rely on our services. So what does this mean? When I get up as a commuter in the morning, I probably don't even have to bother with looking up where my bus is or where it, if it comes at all, because I know exactly. I leave my door, go to the next corner, and then I have my Arriva Click bus, which I've ordered either the, the night before or I've ordered them as a subscription because I know every single morning I'm there at 6.15. Customers these days are used to a timetable service. So you know your 12-meter bus is coming up every five minutes, every half an hour, every hour, uh, and then you have to catch that bus. Demand responsive is exactly what it says. So if you as a customer have a demand, you download our app, the Arriva Click app, then you say, I want to go from here, from my home to the airport or wherever it is. And then in a couple of minutes, a minibus turns up. Doesn't, you don't have to wait for the timetable slot. So the Arriva Click bus comes, takes me to my major hub, be it a bus hub or a train hub. I don't have to buy another ticket. I don't even have to go on an app to buy another ticket because that's all seamlessly integrated. Payment is done automatically. Um, when you turn up on the bus or on the, on the vehicle, the driver knows your name, you know the driver's name. So it's a much more customized service to yourself. And I think the biggest part here is really that you don't have to wait for a route or you don't have to cater to a route. You don't have to adapt yourself as passenger to something which the bus company believes is the right thing to do. Again, I'm not thinking in 10 years time, I don't think that our mobility problems will be solved by flying taxis. Again, thinking about 2.2 billion of passengers we transport every day, you would need an awful lot of flying taxis to transport them. So this is not the way into the future, but I believe that public transportation, a well-informed, a seamless mode of transportation will help us and will solve many of the problems that we're currently facing. And what do you see as the biggest challenges in trying to get that change in behavior from people using public transportation? I think the simple answer would be, and we're getting a lot of those answers around, just use data, use AI, uh, use apps, but I think that's only a smaller part of the solution. In reality, it starts with, again, with steel, with rubber, with aluminum. And the basic question of, if I want to use those services, do I have those services at all? So there's a lot of, well, again, infrastructure necessary. So if we're talking about bus rapid transit routes, which I think could be a big solution for the future, uh, this requires conscious decision of many cities to build them. 
either as direct infrastructure or as dedicated bus routes where we have an, an advantage at the traffic sign. So this requires decisions which are relatively intrusive. Um, and so for me, those are probably the biggest challenges we see that we have to work together with so many constituents in order to make that happen. We cannot do this on our own. We have to work with cities. We have to work with the passengers. Um, we have to work with uh, data suppliers. So for me, this is a really daunting task technology-wise or strategy-wise to come up with a seamless solution um, and implement this in a city which is willing to do this. And clearly within that, there needs to be collaboration across the industry, I guess, on agreeing what is the best way forward uh, in achieving this. You talked about some of the environmental pressures. I think if you look at some of the cities at the moment, to some degree, there's old tech is being pushed to some extent, if you think about cycling. Mm -hmm. And lots of cities are being encouraged to put in sort of cycle-only lanes, protected mm -hmm. from the traffic. Do you see that as complementary to your vision of the future for mass public transportation? Or is that a rival over use of space? It's actually complementary. So in the integrated system that I just described, for me, cycling can play an important role as part of an integrated, almost seamless journey. You talked about Arriva Click. How close are we to actually seeing some of that uh, on, a, on a broader scale? We are already there. Um, we have two pilots now, or we have had one pilot in Kent, which was, from my perspective, really highly successful. And when we think about new technology and data-driven business models, for me, they sometimes seem to lack the perspective of, is this really something we want, or is this something the customer really wants? And so we're now running the second uh, version of Arriva Click in Liverpool. Uh, early days, we started that um, mid-September 2018. So we're still in the ramp-up phase. Again, technology works, the system works, the services work flawlessly. And it also, again, tells us an awful lot about how, how our customers are behaving, how can we improve our services even better by getting direct feedback from our customers into our customer care center. So again, being really, really mindful of what do the customers want and how can we serve that better and not believe that it's just simply modern and therefore will, people will want to love it. That's not the case. And technology, you've clearly said, is going to play an important part in this. Where do you get your ideas from about what the potential for technology is? Is that uh, working with startup organizations or doing a lot of that in-house? We're doing a lot of that in-house. Um, again, we have an organization out there, 60,000 people, who are probably best geared to understand what our customers want. And so if we take the customer perspective and if we do... Well, if we, if we trigger off new technology based on what we believe our customers' needs are and our customers' wants are, uh, then I think we're best positioned. We have a lot of knowledge out there which, um, which we can draw upon and which can tell us and which can help us understand where the, where the new transportation modes of the future and how can we better serve them. And does the skill set change internally to some degree around needing experts in artificial intelligence and data manipulation and analysis, or is that just a natural progression? That's by no means a natural progression. It, uh, it starts even before we even think of artificial intelligence. Um, there's a 
current trend, which is unreversible in the bus industry in particular, to move from combustion vehicles to electric vehicles, with all the challenges that this means for our workforce. Because if you have an, if you're an engineer has been used to work on a combustion engine for 20 years, and all of a sudden you're challenged to say, this is now electric vehicle works completely different. I have to bring to the table completely new tasks. This is quite a daunting task, not only for the engineer individually, but also for us as an organization. And we have to establish, and we're currently doing this, we have to establish completely new works and new ways of uh, on-the-job training. And for me, almost comes back to the old statement of it's lifelong learning. If I were to believe that an engineer who has worked on combustion engine for 30 years, is 50 years now, cannot learn the new tricks. If I were to believe this, I would probably have to quit today because I'm 53. So I firmly believe that if we provide enough training schedules, if we provide enough challenge and incentives for our people, then it's, it's almost a given that they will have to adapt, that they will adapt to the new technology. So we talked about how AI is going to play a major role within the vision. Have you got any specific examples of where you see that having a, uh, a major part to play? Picture a typical London uh, train station. A lot of trains coming in there, um, infrastructure at its limits. If something happens, then typically they have a lot of very experienced people, very intelligent people trying to reroute resources, reroute our passengers. And a lot you see a lot of phone calls flying back and forth. And if you look at that in the context of road transformation and, and, and buses, is there an AI uh, opportunity there? Again, perhaps on an integrated basis, working with uh, traffic control systems linked into your own control? again, has something to do with how much infrastructure are we willing or how much infrastructure is a society willing to dedicate, to allocate to public transportation. So if you think of an integrated mode where a an AI system, which is basically regulating a whole city, and that's really a daunting task, is helping public transportation to optimize the services to our customers and optimize traffic flows, then I would see a role for AI there. And do you think AI and driverless cars can also have a big impact on that ability to switch people from one method to the other? I must admit that I'm still a bit hesitant to accept or to believe that driverless cars will dominate mobility in the near future. And near for me is a time horizon of 10 to 15 years. So I'm still waiting to see how driverless cars will impact our, uh, our modes of transportation. I typically come to work on one of our buses. And this is inner city, London, hardcore mobility. And if you see that how much one of our drivers has to do in order to deal with very touchy traffic situations where there's a swarm of, of, of bikes uh, swarming around him, there's um, pedestrians coming crossing this, the, the road, just picturing the software which would be able to emulate all those decisions that our drivers has to take in, in milliseconds, that's something I have a really hard time picturing for myself. So I'd just like to say thank you very much for your time today, Manfred. It's been a fascinating discussion, and it sounds like there's a lot to look forward to in the future for public transportation. Ian, thank you very much for having me, and thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk about the industry, which I believe has a lot of impact on daily life of our customers. Mm -hmm.